You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. This morning, our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 is, is going to uh, reveal and remind us some of the humanity that the Apostle Paul had. Uh, you know, we can read the scriptures and we can read the Bible and we often forget that, that the people in the Bible, that even Christ himself, that there was such a human side to them. Uh, Moses and Abraham and Adam and Eve and Rachel and Sarai and we can go on and on and all throughout scriptures and, and we forget that they were human like we are, that they, they had feelings like we have. They had doubts at times. They had anxiety at times. They wondered if it was going to all be worth it and different things. And, and this morning, we're going to see that Paul's going to reveal some of that in his letter to the Thessalonians. Can it, can anybody relate right now with maybe some anxiety on anything? Yeah, I, I, I think most of us really can um, in one way or another. And if, if this morning you're like, actually, everything's really good right now. Not too long ago, you could have, right? And in the days coming, you'll be able to relate. And, and Lord willing, this, the truth of this scripture, this text might come to mind then. You see, Paul had concern, if not worry, about how their faith was. The Thessalonians of this church that he planted, he didn't get to spend the amount of time with him that he'd hoped to originally, that he had with many other churches in areas that he'd gone in and witnessed and planted the church and able to help disciple them and, and grow with them and spend a season with them before leaving and setting them up with a pastor and under-shepherd there to, to help kind of carry them on. And in this church, in this situation, you know, it's estimated he was only there a couple of weeks and so not getting to leave uh, Sylvanus or a Timothy who he was traveling with on this journey there to kind of shepherd and pastor them, he, we see a little bit of a, an anxiety maybe, a worry about how they were going to be doing, if they were going to stay on. But we see that maybe Paul even, it doesn't say this directly in the text, but maybe Paul even wondered if he could truly trust God with them, that if his time there would have been worth it. And, and again, I'm, I'm speculating. I'm just walking through. If I'm putting myself in Paul's shoes here, I'm not saying that the text is saying this. I'm not saying that Paul necessarily had these feelings, but they are real feelings that one could have. Uh, and so I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that if, if somebody were to go in and, and see people come to know the Lord and to spend time with them and then you get run out of town because of opposition and affliction and and people literally just about to, you know, make your life completely miserable, and you didn't get to stay there as long as you hoped or wanted, that you would wonder, are they going to be okay? Did, did it really take root? Did it really have the effect that you wanted? And can I, can I really trust God with them? And, and maybe as a parent, you felt that about a kid at times. Can I really truly trust God with them, with where they're at? They're off in school or they're, they're at college or, or they're making choices that you wish they wouldn't make. Can I really trust God with them? Maybe it's even a spouse 
You're seeing a spouse making choices or a friend or, or a coworker or whatever. Can I, can I really trust God with them? And I think, I think we can see that here in this text. Last week, before we jump into our text, last week I want to do just a quick, quick, quick review about what we covered last week at the end of chapter 2. And we see that the Thessalonians did receive the word of God. And that that receiving of the word of God, it was an intimate act for them. And we looked at it in its two forms, the written form and the incarnate form. The written form being what we hold in our hands or on our devices, the word of God. And we walked through several actual physical, tangible proofs that there are that the word of God is real, that it is from God, it was inspired by God, that there's reason we can trust and believe that beyond faith. There's historical proof, there are fulfilled prophecies, there are archaeological proofs. And we also looked at the in the incarnate form of the Word of God, and that's Jesus Christ. And again, there are also tangible, physical, historical, archaeological proofs that Christ walked the earth, that he was who he said he was, that he did go to the cross, he did die, and he did rise again. That the Word of God, when you receive the Word of God, it works effectively in us. It does not come back void. And Paul listed several elements of proof that the Thessalonians had received and welcomed the word of God throughout this letter to them. And just two of them was that they they suffered well and that they shared it with others. And there's many more that we can go out. And and then even at the end of chapter 2, and Tony and I read that together for you in expressing our appreciation for you, this, this body how the body, that church, those people were their joy. And yet right here, we turn around and we can see some anxiety and worry. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Would you stand with me? Would you mind to stand if you're able to? While we read this and... Um, I'm going to read verse 1 because there's two little spots of this that I want to just point out. And then starting in verse 2, let's read it together, okay? All right, we haven't had breakfast this morning, so I feel like we're all going to be able to keep up a little better together. So I'm going to read verse 1 and then jump in with me on verse 2, okay? Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. Now, one thing I want to point out is, therefore, whenever you see that word in Scripture, you want to know what happened before. So if you're just going along and memorizing verses and looking at verses, you've got a verse on your coffee cup or whatever, and it says, therefore, well, in order to understand the context of that verse, you've got to look what was before it. Because it's saying, therefore, because of everything that was said here, now we're going to say this, okay? So what Paul said before about them receiving the word of God, them welcoming the word of God, about how they had become so dear to them, how he had shared their lives with them, how they were his joy and they were his inspiration, Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, and by we, if you're new to this series, this is Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy. They're three traveling buddies, three missionary guys. They're on this journey together sharing the gospel, okay? And that's why it says by by we. Okay, jumping in on verse 2 here. 
And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction. And as you know, it happened. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? As we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith. You may be seated. Thank you. Did, you. did you pick up on his anxiety in this? If we jump back, jump back in here, even verse 1, when we could no longer stand it. Does that sound like somebody who's just calmly sitting around? Hey, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. No, it's, there's a sense of urgency. There's a sense of anxiety here of, I need to know. And it's not like they could just shoot him a text or an email like we can, right? No, in order to find out, then you literally physically had to send somebody somewhere or you could send a letter. And in this case, he wanted to send somebody who was there with him, Timothy, who could be able to truly read how they are and report back. He was worried about them being tempted. He was worried about their faith weakening. And so in Paul's worry, he did a couple of things. I mentioned one of them already. He sent Timothy. Timothy is a co-worker in the gospel of Christ. Now I want to key in on that for a second here. Here Paul calls Timothy a co-worker in the gospel of Christ. He didn't say, hey, here's my assistant. I'm going to send my assistant. He didn't say, hey, here's my Padawan to use a Star Wars term. You know, here's, here's this guy I'm training with a long rat tail, uh, you know, in, in the great value lightsaber before he gets his real one, you know. No, he, Timothy was his equal. Even though he was younger, Paul had discipled Timothy. He had loved on Timothy. He'd walked with him. And now he's sending on him. Timothy was a valuable ally, friend, and coworker to Paul. Paul was going to feel the loss of Timothy not being with him. And this wasn't like, hey, I'm going to fly out and I'll be back in a couple of days. You know, this could be a couple of weeks, a couple of months, depending on the distance. Okay? This could be a while before he sees Timothy again. But it was important enough for him to know how they were doing to send him. Should, should that title, co-worker in the gospel of Christ, should that not be our life's ambition? 
you know, we, we might all have a bucket list of sorts of things that we want to do or accomplish as long as God gives us breath on, on this earth and to enjoy him. And I don't think there's necessarily wrong, anything wrong in that as long as it's not an idol, unless you're sacrificing serving him to accomplish your bucket list. Then it would be wrong, definitely. But would a better goal not be to be a coworker in the gospel of Christ? A co-worker in the gospel of Christ. You see, to me, that sounds like somebody who's, like that song we sang, somebody who's surrendering to God. Somebody who's wanting to know him better. Somebody who is living out that GC squared life that we talk about. The great commandment, the great commission, the loving God, the loving others, the making him known. A co-worker in the gospel of Christ. See, Paul sent Timothy, not just to check on them, but he had a specific task in mind to send them with. He wanted him to strengthen and encourage them concerning the faith. That's also in verse 2. To strengthen and encourage them concerning the faith. In other translations, it might say to establish and exhort. He didn't send Timothy to go check up on all of their behaviors and all the things that they were doing. He sent Timothy to check on the matters of their heart. Where is the heart at? Specifically concerning the faith, concerning the gospel and how it was taking effect and rooting and growing in their lives and thus it would be affecting their behaviors. You see, three three or so weeks ago, we talked about that as the heart of the matter, that a heart is central to this, that The gospel changing our heart transforms who we are, our priorities, and what we choose to do and say. Our hearts are the wellspring of life, as it says in Proverbs. Our sole purpose in encouraging and strengthening each other here should be for the gospel, because of the gospel. There should not be any hidden agendas or motives in this. And it's too easy to get tempted into going, well, you know what, if I do something nice for this person, uh, maybe in turn when I need it, they'll do something nice for me. You know, if I scratch your back, you scratch mine. That's not love. Love is doing it without expecting anything in return. And that's all throughout 1 Corinthians 13. There should be no hidden agenda, no hidden motive, no other reason but to strengthen and encourage them in the gospel for God's glory. And when we, tr- when we focus in on the heart, when we focus in on the gospel in our heart, in it doing its work, what we do will take care of itself. You see, because those things of the world that tempt us Like Paul references here with the Thessalonians, how he's worried about them being tempted. They would fall into temptation by the tempter. Those things aren't as tempting anymore. See, the more that we surrender to God and want to know him more, the less we're going to be concerned about things of this world. The less those things are going to matter to us, like missing our favorite TV show. Or missing hope, opening day of hunting season. I know that's blasphemy, McDonald County, but 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's Pastor Appreciation Month, right? I got some grace on that one this time. <laughs> but seriously, do we get all bent out of shape if we have to miss that or miss watching our favorite team or, or miss getting to go shopping with our friends or fill in the blank, whatever it is? We get more bent out of shape of those things than we do when we're not getting to spend time with Christ. When we're not having the opportunity to serve Him. The beautiful thing is, is that when we take the opportunity to strengthen and encourage others, more times than not, you're the one that receives just as much strengthening and encouraging as well. Maybe you've experienced that on a mission trip um, where you go and you think you're going to get to go and serve and love on these missionaries and play with these kids in the dirt and build their house for them or, you know, whatever the trip looks like. And you come back and you're wondering if they, if you did anything for them and you come back and your heart is just overflowing and bursting and bubbling with what you've done. And I look around this room and I see story after story of people who have sent so many amazing encouraging notes and served with food in other ways and, and serve kids in this area who, who need food on the weekends. And I can list a lot of stories here from just what a lot of things happen because of the folks in this room. Would you agree with me? Those of you who are doing that, that oftentimes you're the one that feels like you're strengthened and encouraged. And sometimes maybe you feel selfish about it, like maybe you're getting more than what they might be getting. That's God's economy. It's upside down. It's because we are satisfied. We find our hope and our strength when we are doing what he calls us to do. If you wonder why you say you love the Lord and you're having your quiet time, but you're doing nothing about expressing that for him and serving other people, you feel empty, this is why. You're not taking the next step of serving those around you and loving on them. So Paul sent Timothy, a co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage them concerning the faith. And then in verse 3, to, so that no one would be shaken by affliction. No one would be shaken by affliction. When we strengthen and encourage each other, that helps us be strengthened when we go through affliction. Suffering is as much a part of life as going to the bathroom. We've got to do it, right? Sometimes the two are linked. Affliction, suffering, trials, that is a given. It's going to happen. It is going to happen. It is happening. You just came out of it. Paul, in fact, in verse 3 says, Hey, we, myself, Silvanus, and Timothy, we're appointed to affliction. It's our destiny. It's going to happen. 
How does he know this? How is he confident in this? Because of their work for the gospel. As if you are working for the gospel and sharing the gospel, you will experience affliction. Period. And even if you're not, things still going to happen. Why is this? Why is this? Why can we be so sure? Why, why can even non-believers say life happens? And we all know what they're talking about. Well, because there's sin in the world. Because God created the world to operate in perfect harmony and perfect obedience with him. But because he's also a loving God, the first two people he created gave them the opportunity to also reject him. Because he didn't create robots. He didn't create golden retrievers. Well, he did maybe back then. I don't know if they were bred out, but he didn't create people to be golden retrievers, all right? They love you no matter what you do to them, right? He didn't create us that way. He gave us the opportunity to reject him in the garden. He said, look, all of this is yours. All of it. Just don't eat this one tree. This is your way of not just saying that you love me, but also showing me you love me because of your actions. But also because our God is loving, he's also just, there has to be punishment and retribution because of that sin, because of that rejection. Aren't you thankful he's just? I know I am. I can look back now that I'm an adult, and kids, you may think I'm really weird now, but I can look back now that I'm an adult and look at my childhood, and when my parents disciplined me for choices that I made that were wrong, I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. So the day will come, kids. It's okay that you'll look or turn around and look at your mom and dad and say, thank you for grounding me from my iPhone. Thank you for grounding me from going and hanging out with my friends. Thank you for spanking me, whatever. The day will come, okay? Because you learn to appreciate that without justice, this world would be nuts. We think it's nuts now. It's nothing without justice. That's why there's affliction, because there is sin, because our God is just. And then there's a third reason. We sang about it so that we would surrender and know him more. You see, God uses the hard things, the death of the trees that's going on outside right now and makes it beautiful. And he does that in our hearts and our souls as we surrender to him and choose him. The real question now is, how will we respond to the affliction? How will we respond to the affliction? Will it be on our knees in prayer with humility? Or on our feet in rebellion and defiance? Will we respond in trust with open hands and open hearts, filled with the word of God, God's revelation? Job 42.2 says this, I know that you can do anything and no plan of yours can be thwarted. You know Job. 
the guy who lost everything that a person could lose on this earth? Yeah, all that had already happened before he wrote this. Or will we respond with closed arms, clenched fists, and stiffness and pride, choosing instead to believe in man's speculation instead of God's revelation? And yeah, there's moments. There's moments when we don't even know if we can make it another night. There's moments we don't know if we can make it another day. There's moments we don't know if the next hour we're going to even survive. And sometimes it's even, can I even take a breath? But through strength and encouragement of God himself, through our prayer, through being in his word, through each other, we can also proclaim this truth that Job proclaimed in Job 1, after he'd lost everything on this earth, a person could lose spouse, children, job, all material possessions, and physical health. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's a popular song that Matt Redman has and it's an upbeat song and it's really easy just to sing that song without thinking through those words. The power behind that of acknowledging that the Lord gives, the Lord also can take away. But blessed be his name. Why can we say that? Because there's beauty in ashes. Because when we're weak, he is strong. Because our time on earth is short compared to all eternity of being in his presence. That's why we have to be in the word. We have to be in the word so that the promises of his word will claim us. And they are what comes to mind when things suck. Because they're gonna. And that's not a favorite word for some of you. I get that. But isn't there truth in it? Things are gonna. Paul's anxiety, perhaps due to an inner battle of wondering whether or not he could trust God with the Thessalonians, he sent Timothy, his close friend, his ally, co-worker to strengthen and encourage them so they would hopefully not be shaken in their affliction. And then in verse 10, those of you who know me knew this was coming. He prayed very earnestly night and day. Garth Brooks had a popular song several years ago about how he would sometimes thank God for unanswered prayer. Anybody remember that song? If you are familiar with that song, for Garth, in that song, it was, had to do with how he ran into his old high school flame. And he was thankful that God did not answer his prayer back then that she would be his future wife. He was grateful for the wife he had. Now, theologically speaking, we know that God answers all prayer, actually. 
a yes or a no. And to trust that he knows best, that he has the plans. He has the eternity in mind. He has the bigger picture. Jeremiah tells us we don't even know our own hearts. And so trusting in the one who made us, trusting in the one who is just, trusting in the one who sent his son to pay the price for our screw-ups, trusting in the one who's going to hold us when the afflictions are coming or we're in the middle of them, makes all the sense in the world. And in this case, as far as we know, Paul's request is not even answered. You see, Paul prayed that he would see them again face to face. And we never have any kind of follow-up in Scripture or history that Paul was ever able to get back to Thessalonica to see this church that he planted, even though that's what he prayed for. He prayed earnestly night and day for it. In this case, God answered it when their time here on earth was done. And they got to see each other in heaven. You see, God knew. God knew that this wasn't going to come about. God knew that he had other plans for Paul. God knew that that would be best for this church. And we can spend a lot of time and energy energy wondering about God's plan and purpose and can we trust him but that's not the point of it we're like the jar of clay telling the one who made it hey what are you doing we like if we went out and made a mud pie and that mud pie turned around and talked to us and said what are you doing <laughs> we'd be like really <laughs> you're done <laughs> I just, I just made you. Why are you griping at me? And God doesn't treat us that way. But isn't, isn't it silly? Isn't it silly? And what I love about the honesty of Scripture is read through the Psalms and you see David doing almost that same thing. Saying, why? Why are you allowing this to happen? Literally, you're breaking my bones. And then followed up at the end, but still I'll praise you because I went on a little idiotic rant here for a little bit. <laughs> I came back to my senses and realized that you're God and I'm not, and so I'm going to praise you and I'll let you worry about the reasons why. The point is that Paul prayed earnestly. Prayer is never wasted because prayer is communication with God. We don't have to know his answer or his reason for his answer or the whys of his answer. The point is, is that as we pray, we are in communication with the Savior of the world, with the Creator of the universe. And it's an opportunity for our heart to line more up with His and surrender and satisfaction. Can you imagine that it was times like this in Paul's life that gave him confidence to pen the Holy Spirit-inspired words of Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Did you catch that? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
It's why we can sit there and look at a friend or a loved one who's going through something ridiculous and go, I can't even believe that you're alive, you're breathing, you're upright, you're functioning. I don't even understand it. It's because God is granting them the peace of God which surpasses all understanding in that moment and he's giving them the grace they need for it in that moment. He's not giving you that grace right now so it's hard for you to even comprehend. But he's giving it to them. And it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Has anybody gone through something and you just kind of taking the next step, you just kind of taking the next breath and just going, Lord, I'm just giving it back to you. This is crazy. This is ridiculous. I don't understand it. I'm just giving it back to you. And about a year or two later, it kind of dawns on you. You go, you know what? That was nuts. You look back at it and you're like, oh my goodness, like the car broke down. The house got repoed. You know, my best friend died. You know, my pet's heads fell off. All these things. You're like, really? Really? And I didn't end up in some kind of mental institution and I'm not strung out on something else? You go, how? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Our sermon title today is, Can I Trust God? I believe that Paul wondered that, a little bit at least, as he thought about the Thessalonians, as he expressed his feelings in this letter in chapter 3, the first 10 verses of it. And he did something about it. He sent his friend, his brother, to check on him. And he prayed earnestly. And at the end of it all, at the end of it all, verse 7, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you? He was encouraged by their faith. And he wasn't even the one who got to go see him. Paul concluded in that, that yes, he can trust the yeses of God. And yes, he can trust the noes of God. He didn't get to see them face to face that we know of, but to still trust.